Hello and welcome to this edition of Chits and Giggles Chit Chat. Today I'm Russell and I'm joined by Ben. <laughs> hey Russell, it's nice that today you're Hi. Russell. What, are you, what were you yesterday? Who were you yesterday? I am a man of many names. <laughs> um, I, I will not reveal. Um, how, how have you been? It's been a while since it's just been us two on the podcast. It has. It feels like. It's been crazy, crazy busy. Unfortunately, I've been trying too hard to get a job working in board games that I haven't been able to focus on playing them myself, which is a yes, bit I, embarrassing. I heard this. I heard this. You, you've you made it up to the ranks of distributor now, yes. haven't you? Yep. For me, that's one step so, below my dream of working for a publisher. But at the moment, Australia doesn't really have any decent publishers, so that might not be able to happen. So, so for the uninitiated, what does an actual distributor do in the board game industry? So the distributor is the middleman between the publishers and the shops. Hmm. So basically, you're in charge of getting the games from one place to another. You're a middleman, basically. Middleman, that's, it. that's it. But because yeah. in Australia it's so difficult to get things, you might have heard me complaining ever since I got back here, that I'm now, <laughs> I'm now trying to solve that problem. I'm trying to get things in so that we get them here as soon, if not before, other places, which is... Which is tricky, especially with some of these new Gen Con releases. In, uh, um, like, for instance, Cry Havoc. Um, ah, yes. That's been semi-released in um, the States now because of Gen Con, except the official EU release isn't until Essen. And so I'm like, well, where does Australia fit in that? Do we get it mm. after everyone or be- between, between? So, But I guess it kind of... I, I would have figured that... I would have figured that you'd have got it before, you know, what with the uh, the day being ahead there. Ah, you know? yes. But it doesn't work no, like it that, does it? No. But that kind of it kind of leads me on to the kind of loose topic that I wanted to mention or talk to you about in this chit chat, which is this whole cycle of games and how they become available and when they become available. And I'm sure everyone's been able to relate to the problem where the new game comes out, you want to get it, and it's nowhere to be found. Yes. That's happened way too much for my liking. Yeah, yeah, and everyone can think of certain times when Codenames came out. Uh, and I remember in England working for a store, contacting the distributor within and within two hours when I talked to the distributor, they had sold out of Codenames just as it, just as it came out. And 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 the same was with Spyfall. I remember at Spyfall at Essen last year, they just they just weren't there. And um, it happens time and time again, and it's it's such a s- strange industry. It is. It's the only industry that there is in terms of media, you know, board game, uh, sorry, video games, films, books, that kind of stuff, where there is no easy way to find out a release date for yeah. a game. I've never encountered that before, and it's so frustrating from a gamer's perspective. And especially now in, in this season, this is like peak season between Gen Con and Essen, and it is so hard to just find out you can look at a lot of publishers websites currently now and it will still have a link to Essen 2015 and yet we're two months away <laughs> and from the next Essen. from the next one and yet there's there's nothing um so so like so like there is no there is no easy way to find out from a distributor's point of view the game's release date either so it's not just the public's issue an issue with the public's an issue with distributors well, as well it's um it is easier, um, but the thing is there's there's multiple release dates. There's release dates as to when it's released to the distributors, and then there's release dates to when it's released to the public. 
And some publishers are better than others. Some will have products available months earlier. And I can have my hands are on... Are you uh, naming names? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but some of them, you can get your hands on the game and then I can distribute it, but the shops can't sell it until a certain date. So the shops can have it, but they can't sell it until a certain date. And then there's some where it's just a grabble, go for it. Uh, if you can get it, you can sell it as quick as you can. That that does make that does bring us on to the topic of uh, Gen Con. I mean, we'll go back to that thing because I'm sure it's going to be yeah. there's more to talk about in it. But Gen Con, Gen Con just happened, and obviously there were a lot of big games. Yes. Um. Did, so obviously it's hard for us to talk about them properly because I don't think we've played any of them. No, and I mean <laughs> not being uh, not being able to go to Gen Con that's sadly, right, yeah. but. We hear a lot about them. I mean, there were some big, some big names there, like you said, Cry Havoc earlier on. That's uh, was that a Portal Games? Portal release? Games, uh, yeah. That one looks. It's it's funny because I do, I don't fully understand the buzz about the game. I it must be one of those ones you have to play because to me it looks like so. Nexus Ops or Risk Twenty Two Ten ID, but without the dice. And I think, I guess, because I've watched the. Um, What's it? The Watch It Played video, which is the one that Portal yeah. Games say you don't need to read the rule book if you don't want. You can watch the video. Yeah. And just from that, looking at the combat, it looks really interesting, but it doesn't look massively involved. But it might be one of those ones which is really subtle and clever, and that when you play it, you're like, "Oh, this is amazing." But the hype from from that one, I've I've fully, I I'm definitely going to play it, and I'm very keen. Um, but I'm surprised that an area control game such as that, uh, has had got so much buzz about it? Well, I mean, I would be keen to play it. Like you said, it does look very interesting. Um, what I find about the game is, uh, well, these games, is usually you look at a game and you can tell instantly whether it's something, usually you can tell instantly whether it's something you'd be interested in playing or not. Yeah. And I feel like... Cry Havoc does look like a game that looks like it would be very interesting to play. Yeah. Because the pieces, the, the like artwork and the fact that it has got like cards and stuff. But I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if I would enjoy it. To me, I'm not sure if I would enjoy it by the sounds of it. To me, it's one of these kind of Ameritrash um, Euro game fusions, but more on the American side. And there's some, like, to me, very big similarities between it and Scythe which um, yeah. I have managed to play now, which is on the more of a Euro game style thing where the area control element, you don't have to do. You don't need to attack other people if you don't want. Um, you can go a whole game yeah. with never having to do that. Um, but they they look quite similar. If you were to look at them, it's just that Scythe looks a bit more complicated and uh, Cry Havoc looks a bit more risky, um, which is not like risque where well, all the robots are naked. <laughs> That would be very, very strange. Please, <laughs> please, nobody make that game. Um, Scythe, my my one of my colleagues has Scythe, but I've yet to play it. But man, it's so much buzz about that. But that was even before Gen Con. Like even yep. at Essen, there was there was uh, demo copies of it. I remember us seeing it and you pointing it out and going, "Wow, look, there's Scythe." Yeah, that's. <laughs> and I right. was like one of the games that you wanted to play, well, that's because... but we didn't get around to it. And still, nearly a year later, I haven't played yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's because the, the Kickstarter backers only started getting it maybe a month or so ago and now it's finally available retail but it was funny because Essen last year was um, Stone Meyer was massively uh, hitting hard on Between Two Cities which 
you may know I despise. Yeah. Uh, and, it would... and I own and I've yet to play, thanks to you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I literally haven't even opened it. Oh, this is crazy. Bad. You've got to play it. Maybe not. Maybe you can sell I will. it I... it's still unwrapped. What, after this, like, what's the word? Plug. Oh, yeah, this game I despise. You should buy it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> there must be people who want to trade for it. Maybe there are people out there who who literally listen to what you say about a game knowing that they disagree with you completely and they'll just buy anything that you say you hate. I, I know. Or, like, never buy yeah, anything that so. you say that, you love. That's how all of Splendor Cells have been driven. Every, every time <laughs> I say I hate it. I heard it, that it went up on the Board Game yeah. Geek Top 100 rate. Speaking <laughs> of Splendor and how much, how much I despise Splendor, I played finally, and it's funny because I spoke... Uh, um, to Ash in the last chit chit chat about it, uh, Mystic Veil, which is yes, how is it's that? so similar to Splendor in a lot of ways that it's not funny, but because it's also a, a deck builder, it's not. It's a card crafting. It's the same kind of yeah. process as deck building, Concept. but without actually yeah. making getting more cards. But it does what Splendor like tried to do, and in my opinion, failed. You have these three different tiers of cards that you can buy, and then there's three available, and you buy them, and it builds your engine, which is what you're doing in Splendor. But the first thing is the cards are balanced. They're actually equal. Um, it's not like when in Splendor where you can buy a card and then add it into your deck, and then a card that comes up that does the exact same thing but costs less takes its, its place. Yeah. That doesn't happen in this game. And so if you like Splendor play mystic veil vale, because it is actually a fascinating game it's very good um but if you don't like splendor should you play mystic veil vale? yeah because it's just an awesome game <laughs> no it depends why okay. you don't <laughs> if you like deck building then play mystic veil vale. um and if you like splendor it's a big it's an engine building game and it's quite good because the, I, I played a game where it looked like during the game someone was going to win because they were getting a lot of mm-hmm. money and buying all these cards and doing all the stuff. But in in Mystic Vale, you've actually got to... You don't happen upon victory points by doing well. You know how in some games, just by doing well, you will pick up victory points, like in Catan. You mm-hmm. want to get more resources, mm-hmm. and by doing so, you will have to build more settlements, which are worth more points. In, in yeah. Mystic Vale, you can get a lot of money and buy a lot of cards, but if you're buying more cards that give you more money... It won't necessarily mean points at the end. Um, and then they've got a cool Race for the Galaxy style victory point thing where there's a supply. And once that supply runs out, it triggers the end of the game. So if you've built an engine which dips into that supply really quickly, you can force an yeah. earlier game. Um, so then the, the different styles of play people pick will will dictate this, the play that you should do to either counteract it or complement it. or Yeah, it's a very good okay. game. Well, I know that you and Nash uh, talk about it, and you actually specifically text me said, "Hey, I just played this. I think you'll like it." So I, I will actually um, try and get yeah. my hands on well, it, a it copy of it the, soon. The just push to give your it a luck go. element that um, Flip City has. I love. Um, and I love that. Which is so, you know, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good game. Um, but the push your luck. Okay. I, I think is even better than the Flip City push your luck as well. Um, oh man, you're really selling me on this. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right. So there's that that game, obviously being one of the big ones as well. 
Um, a game that I've pl- well have but haven't played. This is silly because this is one of those things we touched on in the in the previous podcast with you know do we play games yeah. enough? And yeah, there are still games in my library that I have I own but I have not played properly. And one of them is the networks, which again made a big sort of dent. Oh yeah, in, I um, can't believe you and Gen Con. Yeah, I know it's one game that you you got before the American hype, and yet and yet you still didn't play it. I know. I've, I, to be fair, I've read up the rules. What surprises me, and this is again, might this might this ch- opinion might change once I play the game, but it doesn't seem to be that like, interesting in terms of gameplay. But I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, this is great," and that's actually one of the reasons why I bought the game. But essentially, in the networks, you run a basic cable TV channel. You have a very basic um, schedule. Um, three slots you got 8 p.m 9 p.m 10 p.m or maybe something like that and then uh then you have these channels and they each get a certain audience um for every year that they are on the air some improve and then decline some just decline because they're rubbish um but then what you can do with these uh, some actions you can do later on is spend money that you've gained through adverts and stuff um to to pa- add stars to these um shows so like improve the ratings now it's a it feels very much like a number kind of crunching game like oh well i buy this because it'll give me this much more audience and then i'll gain more points and and i don't know it doesn't feel like oh i really want to play this that's why that's part of the reason why i haven't played it yeah but um i really i really keep trying to get it to the table and believe it or not it's difficult it's been difficult to get it to the table because people have not been that won over by it's it and i'm just like why it yeah. sounds like a really great content it's true the theme doesn't engage but, me so if someone brought that to the table and something else i may i don't know that's a tough one if it was a if it was a cop game i'd choose networks over that <laughs> to be honest like i don't know if it's just because i come from a background in tv but to me the the theme was like whoa this is such a good idea for a game like you're you know coming up with your own tv channel um, and you can choose the shows to go on it and stuff. And I just think just that in a nutshell, that sounds great. Mm. But other people aren't that fussed. And I was really surprised. Obviously, there must be some people who are interested in it because it wouldn't have caused such a stir, you know, like um, there wouldn't be so much hype about it. But still, mm. as, from my personal experience, not being that many, um, that much interest in yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's hype's a weird thing. Also, one other thing I want to say about it, and I don't want to, you know, you know, crap on it a lot because <laughs> you haven't played it yet you know it does seem like i haven't <laughs> played it but um when i was taking the components out um one of the components was really just poorly sort of well all of them felt like a bit like less good quality like oh, i took one of shame. the tv station boards out and it ripped the the paper on the top of it ripped so i've got a permanently disfigured tv channel in my box uh, which oh. I can't fix, so it's really frustrating. You're too strong for your own but um, yeah, <laughs> well, I wish, I wish it was that, but actually, <laughs> it was just because it wasn't like made right. Anyway, I'm sure that can be fixed in future edition of it. But, Speaking but of still annoying. opening games for the first time, can you yeah. think of a game? Because I reckon <laughs> whatever it is, I can beat it. Think of a game. And that the first time you opened it up, there was some kind of pre-game prep you had to do. Think of the worst game. So, as an example, Terror in Meeple City, you have to stick all the little stickers on the meeples before you can even yeah. play the first game. Yeah. Uh, Cold Express, you have to build the whole train. That's not too bad, though. Well, so, I mean, what's, that's quite what's fun. the, what's like the a worst, craft the worst one? 
the worst prep I've had to do to start playing a game. Yeah. It's probably punching out all of the bits in uh, Rattle Battle. <laughs> There's quite there a lot of them. Those. <laughs> also, there has been get yeah any games where you have to like stick stickers on generally, yeah. um, are quite annoying, but not not too bad. I mean, I'm assuming you've got some really horror story well, coming up. <laughs> there's two two games that I've played recently which have and one's not as bad but still a little annoying and one was just appalling. The first one, funnily enough, after I just spent time talking about how good it is, it was Mystic Veil. The cards that you insert into your sleeves to build construct the cards, they're plastic, so similar to something like Gloom where the cards are plastic so that yeah. they see through so you can stack them and see through them. Awesome. The thing is, mm-hmm. each card has a thin film similar to that that you might find on a new phone or something that you need to peel oh, off. Oh, like the, in Looney Quest. Is, 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 it, is it like that? I haven't in Looney played Quest, Looney Quest. The, like the acid, yeah, the, the thick plastic each comes with like two like kind of filmy things to keep it like yeah. nice and shiny until you actually play it. Yeah, you have to do that with every single card. Now, admittedly, oh I God. just played it regardless and then sat down some point. So the game can be played without it. But number one in my painful setup game tally list thing <laughs> is Millennium Blades. I feel like you should create an article of this. Oh, yes, I should. M- Millennium Blades. Millennium Blades. So that's um so it's a game from level 99 level 99 games and it's it's a meta game essentially where you're it's a board game where you're playing someone who plays a collectible card game and you have to <laughs> uh, well okay it's amazing the game is awesome. is this by the same guys who did like deck builder the deck builder no, no 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 so how it works <laughs> is that you are playing like a Yu-Gi-Oh style collectible card game and um, you have tournaments, but the thing is, before each tournament, you have the phase where you have to actually build your collection of cards and build your deck that you'll take into the tournament. And then there's, um, you can sell cards to the shop, you can buy booster packs, you can trade cards with other players. There's even then uh, these cards that pop up, which are the, like the fashion. So these certain sets are fashionable at the moment, and you'll get extra points in the tournament. And then this is a timed phase, um, and after that phase, you then go into the tournament phase where you the deck that you built during the deck building phase you will then play against each other in the tournament it's a very clever game but how the money works in the game is a it's paper money so that's that's Uh yeah that's a warning but what they've done to make the paper money less annoying is they've bundled it into stacks like little wads of cash of groups of 10 dollar notes uh, or 10 notes at a time. The thing is, you have to do this yourself. So you get two stacks of 400 paper notes. So you have 800 paper notes. These are like Monopoly money. You have to separate them into piles of five, put two piles of five back to back, get a sticker, like a long sticker, and stick and wrap it around the bundle to make one bundle. And that's now worth $1 in-game. So 10 pieces of paper stuck oh back to back is worth $1 and you have 800 of these. So you have to do it 80 times before you can even this play the game. This is confusing. This is, this is ridiculous. But what most upsets me is um, they've, they've put 10 
um, pieces of paper to create dollars. So there's 10 cent pieces of paper in the well, game. Well, yeah, but I think it's one of these things where it's actually, that's actually $10 as a wad and cards cost tons of money and you're throwing all this wads of cash. And it is quite fun throwing wads of cash around. Th- I just wish it came pre-assembled. That, well, I mean, I would imagine um, that would probably be a lot of effort yeah. and a lot of uh, if, complica- if I... complicated sort of, set up for most companies if i wanted to put that much effort into assembling a tabletop game before playing it i'd be playing warhammer <laughs> true well i'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that then um <laughs> but the game is amazing but a warning to anyone who gets it it is an expensive game because there's a lot in it and you it takes probably about an hour and a half before you can even play the game before you can even read the rules before you can play the game do you know what that does that rings a bell i i swear i've read something whether I've seen that game where you're throwing the wads of cash down, it sounds, and I think it sounds, <laughs> but I had no idea about um, the the rest of the game. Like, sounds like an uh, intriguing one, very meta. I don't know if I enjoy meta games, um, I, but w- worth a try, I sure. I, as long as so- maybe I'll play it when I come visit you at some point, because uh, then I don't have to set the game up. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to. This is completely sort of off the. Um, off topic but uh there was a game that i played recently that i i just know you would hate you'd either hate it or you'd love it um i was fortunate enough to go and visit um bristol's board game cafe um chance encounters um, recently uh me and a couple of friends um we went down and we literally we so we i didn't know anything about the cafe before um I, i went there other than it had only opened recently um, so I go there um, and actually it's probably worth just giving it sort of a mini, mini review because, you know, this is chit chat after it, all. Is it, no... is it better than um, Thirsty Meeples in Oxford? No, but Thirsty is Meeples it? has a history um, and a lot, a lot of board games and a great shop. Is, is it better than Drafts in London? No, it's not. The, the oh. thing is... The thing is, okay, the, the thing is, this uh, cafe is new. Um, it's been opened only a couple of months. Um, we saw it maybe after about a month or so after it opened. Um, and also, it's in Bristol itself. It, there's a really cool area called the Christmas Steps. And they have, like, really sort of um, cramped, narrow kind of buildings there. And it's right in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's taken over from another sort of small cafe um, it is a very narrow building, but it goes sort of fairly, you know, good distance back. And so they have enough tables there for a decent amount of people. Um, anyway, so I, so it's a nice building. It's modern. They've got a really cool mural in the wall with all these board game kind of pictures. Um, the tables are really awesome. What actually it comes with these tables with their slide-in cup slots. Oh, so they've cool. got like a groove into the side of the table and it goes all the way around. Um, and the cup slots have like a inverse version of that. And you literally can slide along these cup slots. You can just pop in your pint or your coffee or whatever into into these things and they slide along. So I think that was really good. It, it, it actually avoids the, um, the drink spilling or like condensation on the table issue that other cafes have um so that was cool cool. um but their library is is definitely the smallest of all the cafes i've been to Uh um uh 
actually, having said that, I did pop into Edinburgh's Tabletop Cafe as well recently, and they have an even smaller library, uh, but they have a very small location. Anyway, this should turn into, like, Board Game Cafe Review Corner, I surely. So there's two two things that are really important with yeah. the Board Game Cafe. Mm-hmm. One of them, in the Bristol one, do they have staff who can teach you the games? They do, but when we went there, we went there for all day. I think it was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and they didn't have the staff working in the day. They had they had about two or three members of staff there. One of them was clearly like the manager, and he was just doing some work on a laptop. The other member of staff was obviously like a server, um, you know, for food and drinks, and and knows a few games, I guess. Um, but then there was another member of staff I think who was working in the kitchen or on the bar. Um, the only thing is they did not have gurus on during the day. So the only people there were the server and the manager, and they both did not know many of the games that we asked them for help with. But like I said, their new, their new business, it wasn't that busy during the day. Like they still had, you know, a couple of tables, but they wasn't that busy. So my guess is that whoever it was that was working on was mainly just there to serve food and and maybe knew a few games but oh, yeah. wasn't like a proper guru so i'm not holding that against them anyway that's the first and thing the, what was the, the other important thing is they need a pun based name what's it called? oh chance encounters i thought that was pretty good okay um, yeah, yeah no i like that uh, who was it somebody said that it was the best um like uh, games cafe name that they'd ever seen um I, I think it was one of the big guys, the big board game guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was it was it shut up and sit down. Maybe I don't know. But anyway, they. Um, oh, okay. I I thought it was okay. I thought it was a good name. I thought it was a good name. But I think it's probably not the best. Um, but it's definitely up there. No, I I like I I still like snakes and lagers. Snakes and lagers. And, that's good. Um, and I like the even the boardroom. Um, that's in Canada. That's as nice. Well. We should, uh, there should be, like, we should do more, um, like, discussion of board game cafes in general. Anyway, so, so we went there and we played, like, a lot of new games. Um, we played the Red Dragon Inn. Um, never played that before. I'm kind of intrigued, um, but I would, I'm not sure if I, it's it's a game I love, I'd love to play again. Um, like the fact that every character has different play styles, but it's a bit cheeky and, like, in a kind of, like, schoolboy kind of way, like, hoo-hoo, like, there's a lady here with, like, massive breasts and barely covered, and she's, like, you know, being a lad on the cards, you know, with these little quotes and stuff. But I, I don't hate it, and I just think it's not sort of my game. Um, we also played um, we also played a really cool game. Um, it, I don't remember the name of it. It's the one where you're... Is it, it's one where it's like a, a race with uh, kind of steampunk machines, and you're playing as, like, oh, famous s- inventors. Is it Steampunk, steampunk Rally? Pa- steampunk Rally? Rally, yeah, yeah. S- yeah. Steampunk... Something like that. That was good. I liked that. It was, uh, like, a literal engine builder you uh yeah. have these pieces these cards and they sort of match up to other cards there's cards that turn um dice into movement there's cards that turn dice into other dice um there's all these different mechanics going on and you can literally choose your avenue and it was really good i really enjoyed it i thought it was a very fun like good looking game whatever but but there was one highlight ben and there was there was a game this is the game that i was building up to this whole time um oh, yeah it, it is a game you'll either hate or you'll love and i'm sure you're not going to play it a lot of times but when you do play it, it's hilarious and it was called here kitty kitty have you heard of this game he- ben here, here kitty, kitty 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 yeah have you heard of it no okay this is an insane game um, you essentially play um, as a crazy cat person. 
Um, you have a house. You have a like a piece of land with a lawn, a porch, and a house. Um, and mm-hmm. there are all these wooden like kind of cat meeples in the middle of the in the middle of the table. They're all like three D printed um, plastic ones. So they're pretty good quality considering the game. <clears throat> and the idea is is that you have to coax as many cats into your house as possible <laughs> over the course of the game, and you have to do that by playing these cards. Um, they're cards that like bring cats closer. There are you can take two different actions that you playing these cards and then actually choosing cats to move closer. You can steal cats from other ones, uh, other properties. You can play cat uh, cards that sort of mess up your um, <clears throat> opponent's game somewhat. Uh, and then you score points depending on the sets of cats that you have. There are like four different colors. If you have a set cat of each color in your property, you score extra points. You get the most points. If you get the most cats of a certain color, you also score points. It's like a kind of set collection game-ish. But it just it's just so ridiculous. Like the cards are just stupid that you play. There was one which has a, there's a cat, cat burglar where literally, you, you know, and all these like kind of cat based puns. It, but take that mechanics. <clears throat> Oh, definitely. It's to take that game to its core. It's 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 okay. the most ridiculous game that I've ever played. But it was so funny. I've ne- I haven't laughed that much since sort of we played Fun Employed. Um, oh, wow. It's honestly ridiculous fun. Uh, I'm curious as to see if anyone else out there has heard of or played Here Kitty Kitty. And if so, please let us know what you think. It's a game you, like I said, you won't play it more than maybe two or three times max because after it, after it, it gets old. But it's so stupid what, that it's fun. What is with cat-themed games? Ever since Exploding Kittens, people are just like, well, if I just make it about cats, people will buy it. I'm not a big fan of Exploding Kittens. I mean, the gameplay is good, but the humor for me is not. It's, I just don't find it funny. But yeah, you're right. You've got like Schrodinger's Cats. Um, there's cat a game Tower. Cat Tower. Um, there's another Cat Tower a game by the cat tower people mm-hmm. which is about like shapes of cats and the cat yeah, box is it cat box or pussy is it yeah yeah that's no cat Whatever. box um, um lots of kids <laughs> in a blender yeah lots of stupid cat based games um yeah i don't know i don't know maybe it's just that you know the internet's finally caught up to board games yeah and they've collided in this yeah. horrible amalgamation just created all speaking, these cat based speaking games. of board game trends at the moment Something I've noticed, especially this year, so there's a lot of games that are being released which are themed clones of other games. So you've got, of course, Pandemic Cthulhu and Pandemic Iberia coming out this year. But Mm -hmm. you've also got Star Trek Frontiers, which is just Mage Knight, but Star Trek themed. Oh, I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, and then Fantasy Flight has announced uh, Iron Throne, which is Cosmic Encounter, but Game of Thrones. How is that going to work? Because Cosmic Encounter is just the fact that it's ludicrous is how, how, what makes it great. Yeah, I th- it's pretty similar. I think instead of having spaceships, so you have crowns, and instead of planets, you've got members of your family, and then you're putting crowns but on. How- but it, this seems to be a thing it, at the moment it's- where you have... I have a game which is tried and tested and then you just rebrand or retheme it and it's then going to sell. Uh, that's the thing. It's going to sell. You know, these games, that it sounds like all of these rethemes are either popular games to begin with that need a new breath of sort of life into them like the pandemic ones. 
You know, if you love Pandemic, but you want to play more Pandemic and you're like, well, I'm sick of the original game, you're going to either buy into the, you know, Pandemic Iberia or Reign of Cthulhu because they're like slightly different takes on it and gives you something new to do. Yeah. Uh, but then with them, on the other hand, there are games which are, are good games that aren't popular enough. So just stick them yeah. a popular brand on them like Game of Thrones well, or, or Star this, Trek. The thing is, at least Pandemic, it says Pandemic in the title. But when I looked at Star Trek Frontiers and I turned it over and I'm like, hey, wait a sec, this is this is Mage Knight. And then I looked at the designer and WizKids and all this stuff and I'm like, "There's it's not even called Mage Knight Star Trek Frontiers or something. It's just, it's as, it's almost as if it's a brand new game, but it's not. And it... Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I would... I mean, how similar is it to, to Major Knight? It's like a direct... Well, duplicate. I believe there's a, there's a few differences because in within the Star Trek kind of world, it's not really combat heavy. So I believe it kind of attunes to that. And I know it's the 50th anniversary year of Star Trek or something. So it explains why there's a lot of Star Trek things coming out, like Star Trek Ascendancy, which is apparently meant to be very good. Um, but it's just, I just, it's I'm torn because on one side of the the thing, I'm looking at all these releases happening this year, and I'm like, there's there's too many now. I, I remember when you could play most of the decent new releases with, over a year, but now. I feel like you have to do some research and just be like, yeah, people like that, but that's not for me. That's not for me. And you, yeah. you can't play it. You can't play everything anymore. Uh, no. Which I, I don't feel... I feel like... Yeah. I don't feel like that's ever been the case for me, though. Um, like, but as you know, you know, you've I've been a big board gamer longer than I have. Um, and I mean that in the sense that you like board games, not that you're large in real life. <laughs> um so even though I, so even though I work in a board game cafe and I get the chance to play games all the time, I still don't feel like um, I have I get to play enough. Like I still haven't yeah. touched on some of these big games. Um, for example, Scythe. Uh, one of my colleagues brought that in the other day, um, planning to play it that evening, but didn't get around to it and still hasn't. So it's a few days now. This game, very excited to play, still haven't got it. So I think part of it is just there's not enough time to uh, there's never been enough time but that does make that does remind me of this other amazing game that we did play escape from the aliens in outer space okay. have you heard of it i've heard of it but i don't know much about it okay so it's a hidden movement game yeah there two teams um you have these like kind of um flip chart kind of uh, boards um so each sort of new page is a new board, a new map where you can play. And it's like a grid system, a hexagonal grid system. Uh, you've got two teams. You've got the aliens and then you've got the humans. The humans are simply trying to get to one of the escape pods uh, on the map. And the aliens are trying to hunt them down. However, there are, there are gray um, spaces and there are white spaces. There are usually more gray spaces than white spaces. And the white spaces are like places you can safely hide. So you can um, basically every time it's your turn... Uh, if you are in a white space, you announce no, like no noise or silence in all sectors or in whatever. And then, however, if you're in a gray space, you have to draw a card. And there's three different cards you can draw. There's white cards, um, red cards and green cards. If it's a white card, you say silence in all sectors. But everyone knows that you're in a gray space. 
if you are in a if you draw a green card you can say whatever the hell you want but you have to say something so you might go oh i'm in d03 for example even though you might be on the complete opposite side of the map however if you draw a red card you have to announce the space that you're in so ah, it becomes this like really clever little um game about trying to sort of outwit your opponents and also there's an element of luck in it because the cards that you draw dictate whether your plan can you know get pulled off spectacularly so the, during the game obviously you've got aliens and and humans and they are on different teams but, but the aliens are the only ones that can attack so at some point the aliens are going to have to announce them that they're aliens by saying i'm attacking this space and you can attack any space so that if you attack a space with a human they are dead and then they become an alien and then they hunt down the rest of the humans so the so it's a great oh, little game that's good it's, it's really fun. I think you'd really like it. And it goes up to eight players or I don't know, maybe That's a more. a big, big call considering I don't like hidden movement games. Well, this one's more fun because like it's more quick. There's more, yeah. you know, there's there's li- there's there's a lot more lying and involved. There's items. And at the start of the game, everyone's almost against everyone, right? No. Well, technically, humans are, are, are working for themselves but the aliens are yeah. working as a team trying to hunt but, down because you win you as a human know who's if you escape on which team no until people start announcing however yeah, yeah. each each car- each um, player has a role for example the um, psychologist actually gets to start where the aliens start so if you have to announce where you are and you're in like the aliens area there's a chance oh either they're an alien or they might possibly be that one human player and i actually ah, yeah. was that role so it was lucky for me because I managed to get away with it because they thought, oh, he's an alien. And they kind of went down to deal with the humans. Me and I just like snuck off. Uh, the only thing so is... If you draw a green card, you can announce that you're with the aliens. Yeah, exactly. So if you draw, you can be like, oh, I'm here. And so it adds this element of unpredictability. There's also a, um, a human player that can attack. So the human player in our game started attacking. And so the other aliens were like, oh, he's, he's, our, he's our guy. He's our teammate but then the fifth the fourth alien actually didn't actually announce that he was he was trying to be subtle and try and basically trying to let the other fake alien you know do whatever it was that he was doing for some reason i don't know what the the actual strategy there was but then the that human player got an advantage because the while everyone was thinking he was an alien and leaving him go to deal with one of the quadrants uh, he managed yeah. to get to an escape pod the only thing about the game that i didn't like is the fact that at the um at the escape pods you have to draw from a deck of five random cards one of them is red four of them are green if it's a red that escape pod is now broken and you cannot escape from that one so now everyone knows where you are and you have to go to a completely different side of the map to get out oh, wow. so it's yeah so it's really i feel like that's a broken element i feel like there should be um oh and actually another good thing and this is part of why i think it is still a good game is that the the sort of community around this game have created all these different variants so um there's a variant where if you attack someone and you miss um you get less movement on your next turn if you're an alien um there's a variant where if you die as a human you can spawn back in the aliens home zone but these aren't official rules to my knowledge because i didn't you know i didn't get to look at the rule book properly but like there is a big community behind this game we've created all these like fixes for the game so i think there mm. is lots of good gameplay in there and it's a fantastic game and i think you'd really like it um well well we'll see because maybe i'll uh, it called again? Uh, escape from the aliens in outer space so it's quite an old game as well but um really good really good i thought really fun 
Uh, it reminds me just of the the fact that at the start you don't know who's on which team. Yeah. Um, reminds me of a game I played recently, Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Oh, how was it? It's really good. It's 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 got that kind of it's again managed to add to that Cluedo esque Mysterium type mechanic. So how it works is that one person is the forensic scientist and they're like the Mysterium ghost. So they're not mm-hmm. in the game. Um, they're just silently giving clues. The rest of the players are detectives and they're investigating a murder. And in front of each detective, there are four or is it three? I think it's four. There are four murder weapons and then four pieces of evidence. Now, one of the detectives is actually the murderer. Yeah. And so what will happen is everyone will close their eyes werewolf style. That murderer will open their eyes and point to the forensic scientist one of the weapons and one of the pieces of evidence. And then they'll close their eyes and then everyone wakes up. Then the forensic scientist will give evidence um, or clues based on the weapon and the evidence that the murderer pointed out. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of cards that are always in play. There's one is how the person died or the cause of death. And it might say loss of blood or suffocation or poisoning or something. Um, and then it will also have a location uh, of where it happened. And then there are some random cards that may do uh, time of day or it might be like, what was the victim wearing? Or did the murder take, was it quick or did it drag on? Something like this. And the forensic scientist is going to answer these questions, essentially, based on the weapon and the evidence that the murderer chose at the start of the game. And how the game works is that everyone just talks. And you're just looking at all the different things and going, well, it's if the, if the cause of death was loss of blood, then everyone with like a sharp weapon so it could be you and that and that but then if it's that well which then because they said it was allowed they said the the death was loud and nothing on their cards in front of them suggested it's loud so maybe it's not them and the thing is the murderer is doing this as well the murderer is investigating the murder so they're going to try and throw the scent off to other people by pointing out other things and it goes for three rounds um and you have a token and you can accuse um, someone and when you accuse someone you have to pick one of the weapons and one of the pieces of evidence and if you're correct with the weapon and the evidence then that person you've revealed them as a murderer and the investigators win but if you're wrong by even just one thing if you pick the right weapon but the wrong evidence then the forensic scientist goes no nah, and that's it um, and if everyone throws in their token and no one gets it right then the murderer wins Ooh, sounds good yeah, it's a cool it's a cool game. And plus you can add a variant Avalon style where there is one person who is the witness, so they saw the crime. Uh, so they know who well, there's the accomplice and the accomplice knows who the murderer is, and then there's a witness, and the witness knows who the accomplice and the murderer are, but not which one is the murderer. So you know the murderer is one of these two people. And at the end of the game, if the murderer is caught, the murderer and the accomplice can try and hush the witness by killing them before they can give evidence. And if they successfully manage to kill the witness, similar to the assassin killing Merlin, yeah. then the murderer can win. That sounds great. That's Is that an official variant? Yeah, yeah, that's, that comes with it, yeah. That sounds great. I think I'd enjoy that because the fact is, like, when you play Avalon, 
um you you literally feel like you're going in blind and there's all sorts of there's yeah. no like real information you can grasp onto yeah. but with the um, this game it sounds like there's actual information that you have to work with yeah and so it's kind of a good mix between like an avalon and a mysterium because this the the um you don't have to be as creative as the forensic scientist as a ghost by trying to think of abstract relations with these cards it's fairly simple you're just essentially answering questions but you still Mm -hmm. have to answer them in such a way that will give people the right clues but the game is also really quick um and one those three rounds can go quickly and you can just move into another game really quickly really simply um and every game is completely different because everyone's uh weapons and evidence is different and the murder is different and um I want to, I'm curious, this is the silliest thing to sort of like latch onto and go, hmm, what is this? But the the murderer, if they guess, obviously then they're, they're never going to guess the correct answer because yeah. they would lose, right? Okay. Yeah. And so I guess the idea is, is that if they, I don't know, can they, they can still guess at any point and so. Yeah, they guess yeah. by, if they throw their token okay. in, they accuse someone and it's all, it's all about timing and trying okay. to throw people off the scent, so the- but in a realistic way. So the information that you have to give is who, what, and where. Well, you, you just pick which which weapon and which evidence because okay, at that time you you will pick a person as well. So you'll be like it was okay. Russell with the with and the weapon was the butcher's knife and the evidence was a plastic bag. Okay, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, I really want to try yeah, that. It's a good game. Just before we uh, we wind up, I just wanted to ask because. We've just seen a lot of Gen Con releases, and we are both mm-hmm. going to Essen. Yeah. What name one game that you are crazy excited to play at Essen? Uh, now, I was looking into this recently um, because I actually don't know that many games that are coming out at Essen yet. I know there have been a couple not, of announcements. Not necessarily a release, just something that you really want to play. Let me think, because well, I did. Then, what, what about what about you? I'm really looking forward to the Wasteland Delivery Service game. Oh, yeah. That, that, looks, that looks quite fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on my copy of Jam Sumo, finally. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, I I am quite keen to play Vast. Uh, that the Crystal Crawl, Caverns. That one. Yes, um, the one where one of you plays as a cave. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Now, I, like, I don't really like dungeon crawling games, but I do like uh, asymmetrical games, and I'm quite interested at how that works. So the funny thing is, I seem to remember someone telling me about Vast during last Essen. Um, hmm. It's I've 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 been aware of a game because of that phrase. It's a dungeon crawler where you can play as the dungeon. Um, so <laughs> still I the most ridiculous sentence floating around. For a while, but yeah, I'm very ex- excited for those uh, particular ones. Do you know what I'm really looking forward to playing at, at, uh, at Essen? Is any game which involve which is like a clever take on um, a bluffing game? Like, like I like those games. Yeah. Oh, there's a game that uh, the game that I really enjoyed um at at uk games expo which i really want to get my hands on was the pursuit of happiness because it was like such a good worker placement game it was so good ah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, i played a full game of it at uk games expo and it was so like ah oh, yeah this is perfect this is hitting all the right spots um yeah. that i would love to i'd love to see 
like another really good worker placement game or another really good like bluffing game at uh, at Essen. But uh, as for what that is or whether they even exist, I don't know. But I think you know, other than that, like I'd love to get you know get my um, C C C fall. I don't even know if it'll be there because it probably wouldn't, would it? Because it's like a legacy game. But oh, or yeah. any pandemic legacy was there last year. Was it? Yeah, and Time Stories. You had to go into a special booth to play Time Stories. Yes, I remember that. Um, I'd like to see it, uh, more games um, like that, actually, but n- not as not as bad as Time Stories. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, me too. And I'm kind of open to to seeing, you know, like everything. I like. I will do more research this year than I did last year um, for Essen, but I still want to be surprised. I still want to go there and be like, "Oh, this game! Oh, this looks amazing! What is this?" And yeah, then see how it yeah. goes. So yeah, for sure. That's it, really. So that's that's uh, that was this episode of Chit Chat. We hope you've had a blast listening to us blather on about games. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, you'd like to comment on anything that we talked about, or if you have any tips of your own for things that we should be keeping our eyes open for, please do get in touch via the usual means, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the website. Um, uh, we will see you on the next podcast. But until then, take care.